fifth trumpet of Revelation chapter 9 unleashes strange locust-like creatures onto the earth to torment men for five months. But not only are these locusts not allowed to kill men, it turns out that people can't even kill themselves. What on earth is going on here? We'll talk about it on this week's episode of Revelation Unveiled on Faith by Reason. Welcome to Faith by Reason. The website behind it all, as always, is faithbyreason.net. There you will find hundreds of hours of study material, blogs, podcasts, and video. And we are continuing our study of the book of Revelation. We are on the seven trumpets, and we are currently on trumpet number five. We went through the first four in the previous episode, and this episode alone, the fifth trumpet is so strange it will take the entire episode and actually so is the sixth trumpet in which will probably take up the next episodes things are getting things are strange and are getting stranger but uh, just to repeat my position on the uh, seven trumpets i do not believe that they are direct judgments from god for man's sin as we've been talking about the last uh, several episodes i believe that the seven trumpets are actually the way that the methodology that God is using to bring down the satanic strongholds that, cur- that will that currently exist on the earth and will exist during the time of the end that will allow uh, Jesus to take possession of the earth, the possession that he won at Calvary. So each one of these trumpet blasts basically knocks down one of the strongholds that Satan has. And again, a stronghold, spiritually speaking, is a belief system that Satan uses for his empowerment because our beliefs actually have power in the spiritual realm. So we're going to go over the fifth trumpet. And again, this it's really, really strange stuff here. It's very demonic. And let's just dive in by reading the passage. Oh, and one note before I read it, I will tell you that there is a section in this chapter about men not being able to not being able to kill themselves. That is one of the one of two or three areas in the book of Revelation for which I have no that I have no confidence in my interpretation of I really I as you know I have interpretations for a lot of things I have a lot of um, ideas and theories some of which are mainline and some of which differ greatly from from the mainstream and I give you my reasonings behind it but what's happening in in this fifth trumpet I, I I truly don't know I'll give you my guesses but I I'm completely stumped all right let's uh, start reading chapter 9 verse 1 then the fifth angel sounded And I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns like something of of something like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. And their hair was like women's hair. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, with many horses running in the battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, 
whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has a name Apollyon. One woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these. And that um, we're going to stop there at verse 12. Okay, what in the world is going on here? This is some strange stuff. Uh, as I said uh, last in, in the last episode, people who people take a couple of, of different tacks about this. Some people take it for what it means directly that these events are actually happening the way the Bible describes them. Other people try to allegorize them and try to soften it in order to make these events less harsh. And others uh, try to kind of do a mixture of both where they take them literally, but they say that they're not really what John saw, that John is basically seeing uh, modern warfare implements or just modern things that he didn't understand. So he described them as best they could. And yeah, I told you how some of the, how the first four people would do this. It, it's really tough to do it with the, uh, with, with the chapter, well, excuse me, not chapter five, but uh, the fifth trumpet, because it, it's just, it doesn't, it defies any description, any modernization. But I guess you can be allegorical about it. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about some of the allegories too. Well, let's start with the allegory and get those out of the way. The way these allegorize, what people will say, well, who, who are the allegorists will say, well, this, these aren't really creatures. These aren't really locusts or, or actual um, physical beasts. These armies represent, this army of locusts just represents um, turmoil and upheaval and chaos and things like that. It, it, fine. But it, it just, honestly, I, I think it, it cheapens what the verses say. And, and, and you have to ignore or completely allegorize some of the specifics, like, you know, men being tormented for five months. What does that mean? Just chaos for five months? Why only five months? Or and what about the description of the stings like tail, the, the tails like scorpions and that men will desire to die and not be able to die? You have to spiritualize all that. And frankly, when, once you over spiritualize things, they, they no longer have any meaning. And by spiritualize it, I mean you're saying it's not real. I don't mean spiritualize it in the sense of the spiritual world, which I very much believe in. I, you know, we, I, we talk about the supernatural worldview on this, on these um, shows quite a bit. I don't mean it in that sense. I mean they just try to say it's not real. That it means something. It's an allegory for something else. And once you over allegorize things, they just start to lose meaning. So I'm not going to spend any more time on the allegory. If it's an allegory, then what's the point of even studying it? If it just means hard times and hardships, and and they'll say you know. It, like in the book of Joel, they'll look. There's there's another plague of locusts there, which I'm actually going to touch on um, a little bit later. But they they um, they'll allegorize the, the locusts in, in Joel and the army of locusts is just you know desperate times, hard situations, famines, and just naturally natural things that occur. But again, if that's the case, then what's the point of all the specifics? So I'm just gonna leave that as it is. And then those who, there are some who would try to say that, again, this represents some type of military um, uh, incursion happening, that these locusts represent uh, some type of robotics or um, or drones in our in a current case. And again, that's fine, but it, it also, again, assumes that John is just not bright enough to know the difference between an inanimate object, like, like again, a drone or, or, or robot or some type of human army as opposed to the as opposed to the way he describes it, that there is no mere military vehicle who meets this description. There are no current military ideas or military apparatus that look like this. We got, I think we should take it for what it's worth. And I think that what's happening here is very demonic. And, and as we break these verses down, you're going to see that there is clear, 
clear demonic allusions here. All right, so let's start breaking these verses down. And I won't be able to go fully in order because each one of these subjects, like the description of the locusts, they happen several different places throughout these passages, throughout these first 12 verses. I'm going to kind of jump around so that I can address each one of the pieces as they happen. Okay, so it starts off with um, the, the, the fifth trumpet sound. And when it does sound, he saw, John says he saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. And he was given the key to the bottomless pit, or the abuso. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, who is, what is this star? Well, of course, it's not a physical star. We know that for a couple of reasons. Again, stars are, are too big. If it fell to earth, it would destroy the earth. Stars are an idiom for angels. We've talked about that many times. So this is an angelic being. And he was given the key to the bottomless pit. And of course, we also know it was an angelic being because it says he. And stars don't have, physical stars in the, in the heavens don't have gender. So this is an angelic being. Is it a good angel or a bad angel? That is a good question. I would say that for most of my studies of well, my career studying Revelation, I always assumed it was a bad angel because it says it was a, it was a star fallen from heaven to earth. But it doesn't really indicate that this is an evil angel. And there's actually some reasons. There's a reason to believe both. So the reason to believe it's it may be a, a fallen angel is because it says it was fallen from heaven to the earth. Okay. And it also has the key to the bottomless pit, or, or the bottomless pit is called the abuso or the abyss. And that term generally is, is, is considered to be geocentric. By that means the abuso, the bottomless pit, is at the center of the earth. Why? Because if you're at the center of the earth, it has no bottom. Because from the center of the earth, every direction you can go is up. If you're the, if you're at the center, any place, any direction you go is, is going up. Therefore, it's bottomless. And there are also um, tons of other allusions in the Old Testament and even in pseudepigraphal uh, books like the Book of Enoch that really place uh, this area under the earth. And it's a place where demonic entities, fallen angels, and demons are imprisoned. So again, this is this is some demonic stuff happening. However, if this was an evil angel, why would it be given a key to the bottomless pit? Why why would an evil angel be over the prison that God put these demonic beings in. That doesn't make much sense. And so so there's a reason why it could be considered a, a good angel, an angel on God's side. Just, we have to take that language that it's fallen from heaven. doesn't mean it was a fallen angel. It just it could just mean that the angel was in heaven and it came down to earth. And the fact that it was given the key, means why would God, again, why would God give an, e an evil angel the key to the bottomless pit? So... There, there are arguments either way. I don't think it's terribly important, but it's just kind of academic and take it for what it's worth. So he opened the bottomless pit, he opened the abuso, and smoke rose out of, out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Oh, I'm sorry, I went back up to the angel uh, one more time. A lot of people think that this angel uh, uh, who's given the key to the bottomless pit is the same as the angel in verse 11 that says they had a king over them who was the angel of the bottomless pit whose name is Abaddon or Apollyon. Well, that doesn't, that's not necessarily so. It could be the same angel. If, if this is a bad angel, it's probably the same angel that's a bad or a polyon. But these could be two different angels. The angel who releases the, these things from the bottomless pit is not necessarily the angel of the bottomless pit. That could be an angel that was already in the bottomless pit. So staying with verse 11, they had a king over them. The angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is a bad but in Greek is a polyon. Um, a bad in Hebrew means the destroyer. That could be Satan. That's one of the titles that Satan has. It doesn't necessarily mean that this angel of the bottomless pit is Satan, but it's a possibility. 
in Greek, the name is Apollyon. And if you take in any Greek mythology in, you know, in high school, junior high or college, that is Apollo, the Greek god Apollo. This is the Greek god Apollo is the god of the sun. He's the sun god. And that is an illusion that we see throughout uh, pagan beliefs. They worship sun worship was a very, very common. In fact, sun worship is the most common form of paganism. And many of the pagan gods are sun gods. The gods, the Egyptian god Ra is a sun god. Of course, we have here Apollo. There are yet many uh, uh, pagan deities that represent sun worship. So, and, and here's, this is another reason why we can know that these locusts from the bottomless pit aren't physical locusts like the insects. We're going to get to that in a second. It says that they have a king over them. However, there is a verse in Proverbs chapter 30, verses, uh, verse 27, that says the locusts have no king, speaking of the physical insect locusts. So this differentiates them from actual locusts. So let's look at what, what are these things. All right, so open the bottomless pit. Smoke rolls out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Um, is this physical? Oh, sure. I'll, 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 let's just say for the sake of argument that it is. I, I don't see any reason to allegorize it. So when this pit is opened, wherever it's opened, smoke comes out of it. And it darkens the sun, which is not, which is going to be kind of a bad thing because if you look at what's going to be a worse thing, because if you look at the um, the previous trumpet that also darkened the sun, I don't know if these if, if this is if this is tied together, if the fourth and fifth trumpets are are similar, if the if the sun and moon are darkened because of the smoke, the firms could be, or it could be something that happens after that fourth trumpet and the sun is darkened again, which again is going to be you know really devastating for people. Okay, verse three, then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpion of the earth hath power. All right, let's talk about these locusts. So again, as we've said before, it's, it's extremely unlikely that these are actual locusts, you know, insects, little grasshopper things, because they come out of the, out of the bottomless pit, out of the abuso. And the abuso, as we said before, is a place where God imprisons uh, evil, uh, demonic, fallen angels, Nephilim, evil spirits, and things like that. So that's what these are. These are evil, uh, evil, evil spirits. But they obviously have some type of locust-like appearance because when John sees them, he he describes them in in that in that way. So what do I think these things are? I think they are, frankly, they're, they're chimeras. What is a chimera? Well, it's, it's a Greek term. Is we we use it in in science today for a creature that is an amalgam of more than one uh, creature. And we see the, we see, you know, their scientific experiments. You've seen some weird scientific stuff where you have scientists combining genes of different animals and they'll have, and an animal will come out with, with characteristics of multiple animals. And we do it on a small scale here, but in the past, demonically, it was done quite a bit. In fact, if you look at the uh, depictions in ancient art, of the so-called gods, which we can, you know, are fallen beings or fallen angels and, and Nephilim. We've seen them with multiple characteristics. We, there's um, the one in, in Greek mythology called the Minotaur, which has the upper body of a bull and the lower body of a man. We see the Sphinx, which has, you know, very famously in Egypt, which has the, um, the, the, the face of a man and, you know, the body of a lion. And we'll see what... Um, centaurs, you know, upper body of a, of, a, of a man, lower body of a horse. There are all of these mythological beings. And I, again, I believe a lot of these mythological beings were actually based on or, or are directly 
some of these fallen entities, uh, specifically the Nephilim. And I know it sounds weird, but hey, <laughs> we're in the weird territory here, folks. We, we have been for a while. And yeah, so, so these are chimeric beings that are demonic, but look like, you know, combinations of other things. We look at that at the description of them. We'll get back to verse four in a second, but let's look at how they're described. In verse seven, it says, the shape of the locusts were like horses prepared to battle. On their heads were crowns of gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair and teeth like teeth like lion's teeth and breastplates like breastplates of iron. These things are like a bad science experiment gone wrong, but we know that they are demonic. And again, they fit the the um, the description of many of these mythological beings, and that's that's what they are. But but who exactly are they, and why are they here? Yes, they look they appear to be locusts, and of course, there's amalgamation of other things. And they're told not to harm the grass or any green thing, which I guess the locusts would do, but of course these aren't really locusts. They're only told to harm men, people, who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. So if you're not part of the 144,000 who we talked about a few episodes ago, you are going to be under the the um, authority of these creatures. You're going to be fair game for them. But what else can we say about them? You see, this is where many Bible teachers just stop because, it's, you know, there's not a lot else here. They're just these creatures on earth that are going to torment men. We'll talk about that torment um, in, in a bit when we get to verse five. But is there are there anything anything else we can say about them specifically? I think there is. If we look, if we take a look at what they are, what their their job description is, what they're going to be doing here, and then look at the rest of the Bible, other places in the Bible to interpret this Area, I think we can get a really good idea of who they specifically might be and why some of the and why they are doing what they're doing. And so it says they were given again, given authority to kill. They were, they were not giving authority to kill men, verse five, but to torment them for five months. So what this what, what does this mean? What is this five month thing? This is not an arbitrary number. There's nothing arbitrary in the Bible. There is a specific reason why they are given this time period of five months. So if we, if we combine the five months with the fact that they are from the um, the abyss, the bottomless pit, and, and specifically who God has put there, I think we can get an idea of who they actually are. So let's look at who was who was specifically put into this bottomless pit, into this abuso. Well, if you go to uh, the book of Peter, um, he talks about angels who sinned and were locked in a place called Tartarus. Tartarus is the Greek equivalent of this abuso, this bottomless pit, this geocentric area that I just talked that I talked about a little bit earlier. So we're talking about the angels who sinned, specifically the angels who sinned in the time of the flood in Genesis chapter six. And if you have a supernatural worldview, which hopefully you do, and if you don't, you can uh, go to that category and look it up. But we're talking about the angels who fell in Genesis chapter six, who came down to women who interbred with them and had these demonic human hybrid uh, children called the Nephilim, who, again, you should be very familiar with them. I've talked about them quite a bit. The Nephilim were the reason for the flood. The flood, did, God did not flood the earth because men were behaving badly. If that were the case, then we should look out of our window and see the floodwaters rising because we're behaving pretty badly now and we have been over the centuries. No, the purpose of the flood was to wipe out the Nephilim. They had become so prevalent after a, a roughly a thousand years of, of interbreeding with humans that it's possible that Noah was the only pure human being left. They, they had really uh, just devastated the, the world. They had interbred and they... They had to be destroyed. So that's why God flooded the earth, not to kill man, but to kill these demonic things. God does not 
does not commit genocide against people. He only wipes out, he only judges spiritual evil. Let me say that again. God only judges spiritual evil. He does not want to judge man. The only time man gets judged is when man aligns himself with that spiritual evil. And we'll talk about that down the road a bit when we get especially to the bowls of wrath and the mark of the beast, in which we'll talk about a little bit in, in this, um, in this uh, episode. And so again, those angels and quite possibly their, the Nephilim were locked up in the bottomless pit in the Abuso. Okay, what does five months come into it? Well, if you look in, in Genesis, in the story of Genesis chapters uh, seven and eight, you will see that five months is the amount of time that the flood was on the earth, 150 days. And if, on the 30 day calendar, which is the calendar that God uses, 150 days is, is five months. Wow. So I think that relates. So you have angels from this period and they're Nephilim locked in the bottomless pit. The Nephilim are killed over five months as the floodwaters are on the earth. Now you have these same beings being let out of the bottomless pit, and now they are going to torment men for five months. What's happening here? This, folks, is the revenge of the Nephilim and the fallen angels. This is their revenge for what happened to them during the flood. It matches up. This is why they are allowed to uh, uh, torment men, but they're not allowed to kill them because although the Nephilim, their bodies were killed, their spirits, they're, they're, they're part angelic, so their spirits are, are, are quote unquote alive, they still exist. So you have human beings being subjected to the same fate as the Nephilim. So the, the fallen angels are getting their revenge on man for what happened to their children, the Nephilim. And I, I think that's what's happening here. So as you can imagine, this is going to be the craziest time in history today. It gets crazier after this, but this is, you can't, can you possibly imagine these things that look horrible like this, stinging people with their serpentine scorpion-like tails and causing them torment for five months? And the torment is going to be so bad, they're going to want to die and they won't be able to. This gets to get to this weirdest part of of, of, of this uh, of this chapter that one of the areas where I said before, I don't have an explanation. It says here in verse six, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. What does this mean? I don't know. I, truly, seriously, I, I don't know. I do not have a good explanation of how you can want to die and not be able to. I, I, there are a couple of theories that I have that I'll, I'll tell you, but again, I'm, I'm not, I don't strongly believe in it because I don't understand how you cannot be able to kill yourself if you want to, what could stop you from doing that? Uh, and again, most Bible commentators just gloss right over this. They'll say, yeah, man will want to die and he can't. Okay, moving on. But that's not what we do at Faith by Reason. We try to at least give you some thoughts to take away from you, take away with you. Uh, and I will give credit to one person who has tried to give an explanation for it. It's a man named um, L.A. Marzulli. He is a, a Bible researcher who really gets into the supernatural stuff and the Nephilim stuff, and even into the wacky UFO stuff that I was talking about when we went over the sixth seal of Revelation chapter six. So he, he has a theory about how this non-death could happen with, with men seeking to kill themselves and not being able to. He found a guy who claimed to be he was claimed he was abducted by aliens. Again, these aliens are, are they're not from another planet, they're demonic. 
but they had put an implant in his neck, a little chip or, or some piece of material, um, which they're apt to do. And this guy agreed to let a doctor and and let, uh, take this thing out of his neck and examine it while L.A. Marzulli was recording it. And if I can if I can find the video of it, I, I, and if I if I can legally put it up, I, I will or, or give you a link to it. Anyway, a doctor pulls this little piece of material out of, out of the guy's neck, and he takes some of the guy's blood and puts it into a petri dish and puts the 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 thing he took out the the implant into the blood and he observed it. And he reported back to Marzulli that this material started growing like little tendrils and kind of absorbing the blood and doing some things to it. And Marzulli asked the doctor, you know, what's going on? And the doctor said that this thing that was in the guy's neck is altering the DNA of the blood. Let me say that again. It's altering, the DNA is changing human DNA. This gets to what I believe the mark of the beast is all about. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail because we won't get to the mark of, of the beast for a while. That's weeks and weeks away. But I can't gloss over it. I need to talk to you about it because I, I believe at this point in history, in, in our history, in this point of during the tribulation, I believe the mark of the beast will just have, will just have happened because I believe this is happening around the midpoint of the tribulation. So if this is true and the mark of the beast is is not a tattoo, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a tattoo or a barcode or a microchip. I believe that, that as part of this whole false um, alien agenda, they are going to promise people that they will be changed into something more than human, that their DNA is going to be altered. If you take this mark of the beast, not only are you on Satan's side, you're going to be given a form of, 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 of superhuman immortality. Because really, that's what man wants. Man, man has always wanted Eden without God. We talk about this in, in, on the blog and on, in, in our earlier podcasts. What fallen man wants is all the benefits of paradise without being subjected to, to the rule of God. Man wants to rule himself. He wants all the good parts of what God wants to offer, which is, you know, paradise, but he wants to have it on his own terms, not on God's terms. So man wants to be immortal without the requirements that God has for immortality. And I believe Satan will offer that with the mark of the beast. And again, we'll get to that. But if this is true, it will alter man's DNA. Now, this is not complete science fiction. Folks, because we have an example in our current life of, that lets us know that man already has ability has the ability to alter DNA. We have vaccines currently for the COVID nineteen uh, virus. They for the Pfizer and uh, and um, what's the other one and Moderna. They have vaccines called mRNA vaccines. The purpose of these vaccines is they actually uh, get your they they don't they hijack your DNA to a degree and cause you, the DNA to produce a new protein called a spike protein that that is supposed to give you immunization, it's supposed to protect you against COVID-19. It alters your DNA and millions and millions and millions of people have already gotten this shot that, that technically is mRNA. It's, it's the, um, the, 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 the conjunct of DNA, which is our genetic material. This mRNA vaccine alters our DNA and causes us causes us to produce a spike protein. So we already have the technology. This is just going to be an advanced form of that. So why is this altering your DNA? It will, again, it, it will, will promise you immortality to make you superhuman. Again, I'll talk about this more. But I think another thing that it does is that it changes you so that you are no longer fully human. Because have you ever wondered why when people get the mark of the beast, the Bible says that they are no longer eligible for salvation? How can that be? How can you not repent? 
I mean, what if you got to Mark the Beast and say, you know what, I, I made a mistake, God, I want to join up, up with you and Jesus. The Bible says you can't do that. The only way that's possible is if you are, if the, if the Mark of the Beast makes you physically ineligible for salvation. Why? How can it do that? Well, because salvation is only offered to human beings. Angels can't be saved. Nephilim can't. Nephilim, human angel hybrids can't be saved. So if that DNA alteration turns you into something that's not human, not fully human, then that's how you cannot be eligible for salvation. And we'll talk about that more. But another thing that I believe it does is I believe it changes you into, it changes your DNA into that of a Nephilim. I, because again, the Nephilim are not human. They, they when they were on earth and, and you know, still be, you know, be on earth during this time, they are physical, they're not human. And what if this alters the DNA of people and turns them into Nephilim? Well, that means a couple things. And and I'll talk about the second part, but let me talk about the, I'll talk about that in a second. But Marzulli's theory is that because of the durability that people will gain when they take the mark of the beast, because of, because they'll be transformed in this whole transhumanism thing, which is a whole other subject. We'll, again, we'll talk about that when we talk about the mark of the beast, but transhumanism is the idea of becoming more than human. If this does more than human, and if this mark does that, then they will be extremely durable. And so Marzulli believes that people won't be able to kill themselves because they'll be so more durable and heal so much faster. So if you, if you stabbed yourself, you would heal before you die. Okay. Or if you shot yourself, you would heal before you die. All right. Maybe. And that could maybe stop you from killing yourself in certain ways. But honestly, if you jump off the top of the Empire State Building or the Sears Tower or any other skyscraper in your local community and you become just a smear on the ground, I don't know of any level of healing that's going to bring you back. That's more than a stab wound or a stab wound or a gunshot wound or slitting your wrists or taking poison. So I don't think it's a great explanation. But another explanation that a friend of mine and I were talking about just a couple weeks ago might be closer to what's really happening. Because as I said, if you, if this turned, if this uh, mark of the beast turns you into a Nephilim, then it also means that maybe you could be possessed by a Nephilim. And I truly believe it's going to be mass demonic possession. And again, I, I'm, I will tell you about that a little later. I don't have time. We're all already at the bottom of the hour. But just stay with my theory. This The mark of the beast changes you. You pledge your allegiance to Satan. You have Nephilim DNA now. And now the, the Nephilim whose spirits are demons. The demons are the spirit of or disembodied spirit of spirits of Nephilim who died in the flood. If if you have Nephilim DNA now, now you can be possessed by a Nephilim, meaning that maybe they take over your body. Because here's the thing. The only way you can want to die and not be able to die is if you're just not physically able to. How can you not be physically able to hurt yourself? Well, one explanation is if you aren't in control of your body. If you want to die, and but you can't control your body, then you won't be able to die. So if a Nephilim is in, if a demonic entity possesses you now and is controlling your arms and your legs and your movement, while you're basically a passenger, I mean, think of it this way. Like, let's say like you're in a car and you're not the driver, you're the passenger, you're somebody else driving the car. Well, if you're the passenger, you can want to go to the left, but the guy who's driving will take you to the right. You don't have any control, you're just a passenger. So if this is the case and you're possessed, if you take the mark of the beast, you're, you're basically the passenger in your own body. You're no longer the driver. So you can want to die. You'll feel the pain of the stings of these, um, these demonic locusts and you'll seek to die, but you won't be able to die because you're not the driver of your car. You are not in control of yourself. So that is one possibility for um, how you can desire to die and not be able to. And it's 
frankly, the, the only thing that even makes remote sense. But it's not a complete explanation because what the what the verse says is that death will flee from them. It's almost as if the spirit of death will say, "Nope, I'm just not taking you." Which again, I I cannot I can't explain. So this this is the best I have, folks. If you have a better explanation, I'd love to hear it. And by better explanation, I don't mean saying, "Oh well, God says it can happen, so that's how it's going to happen." Well, that's not an explanation. That's stating the what, but not the how. If you can tell me not just what, we know that they won't be able to die, and we know that it will be because of it's God's will. But if you have an explanation of how mechanically this death by non this non death can work, then you know put it in the comments. I'd love to hear it. Now again, there are even though this is clearly demonic, and I I think you'd have to it'd be a stretch to say it's anything else. There are some folks who will try to modernize this and allegorize it and say that you know what John is seeing are not really demonic locusts. And they'll say it's some kind of military thing. That the the one I've heard the most is that these what are locusts here are actually uh, military vehicles, specifically helicopters. That if you look at, in fact, I've, I've even seen some uh, movies on the Book of Revelation where they'll say, "Well, these are helicopters." They'll, they'll say like um, the helicopters whirling, uh, you know, the, the propellers of the helicopter. Can John may have thought that that was looked like women's hair, <laughs> and that the breastplates were actually the armor on the helicopter, and the stings in the tail were the fact that some helicopters can. Uh, military helicopters can fire uh, ordnance and missiles from from the tail end. So that's what John saw. And he thought they were locusts because they, I guess you could say, yeah, hel helicopters do kind of look like giant insects, but that's a serious stretch. We're, I've seen a helicopter. You've seen helicopters. Whirling helicopter blades do not look like women's hair. It They, they just, I've never seen a woman with that hairdo. And I wasn't around to see what the hair hairstyle trends were in the first century, but I'm guessing helicopter hair was not something that John saw a lot in the women in his day. And yes, helicopters, military helicopters can uh, fire ordnance from the tail ends, but that's not what a scorpion does. John John didn't say the scorpions fired something out of their tails. He said they stung people with the tails like scorpions do. So let's just face the facts that these are, this is spiritual. These are uh, demonic entities. These are not military vehicles. This is stuff that's actually happening. It's going to be weird, and but you know, it's just it is what it is. If you don't have the supernatural worldview before these things happen, I guarantee everyone on earth will have the supernatural worldview uh, by this time, if they you know, if not sooner. Okay, so the whole point of these trumpet blasts were to take down the satanic strongholds, and I and it, in, in the last episode, I showed how or I explained how um, each one of the trumpet blasts take down a stronghold, a belief that people have about Satan. So which stronghold will this take down? I think a couple of them. One is that Satan has control over the demonic armies, which he doesn't because, you know, this isn't something that he wants to happen. This is going to throw his world into chaos and there's nothing he can do about it. These these um, entities getting revenge on man for what happened with the flood, they're not obeying Satan. They've been waiting for this. They've been locked in the, in the abyss, in the bottomless pit for of three thousand over three thousand years, and they can't wait to come out and get their vengeance on man. There's not a darn thing Satan can do about it. The the quote unquote God of the world, the people will be people will be worshiping, can't do anything. They'll be praying to Satan, whatever he calls himself. I'm sure he won't call himself Satan when he's over the world, and he or nor will the Antichrist call himself the Antichrist. But they'll be praying to their new saviors to save them from these locust-like beings. They won't be able to, and that will shatter that belief. The other belief is that Satan is. Over, has control over life. If, if the, my theory about the mark of the beast is true and his promise that taking this mark will give you eternal life, 
Well, this is showing that Satan has no control over life and death because God has decreed that, hey, you guys can't die. So God is in control of who lives and dies, not Satan. So that belief system will also be taken out and that stronghold will be taken down. Okay, one more thing before we wrap up that I want to talk about, and that is who is not affected by this. The Bible clearly says that those who do not have the seal of God on their forehead, and I think that's the 144,000 are the only ones who are clearly sealed. However, there are those who believe that believers during the tribulation will also be spared this, this, um, this plague. The Bible doesn't say that. There are books like the Left Behind series, which I've referenced before, and they make it seem that anyone who's a Christian has the seal of God on their foreheads. And the Bible doesn't say that. I guess you can make the inference that if the 144,000 are evangelists, then whoever they save becomes a part of their group. So they would be sealed too. But you know, that's, I guess you can say that with deductive reasoning, but the Bible isn't clear. So I can't definitively say that if you, if that tribulation saints, that, you know, Gentiles who are not a part of the 144,000 or Jews who become saved at this point, are spared this. It just doesn't say. And it, it, it might be that, you know, you, you'll have to suffer through it if you're still here on earth. But um, one thing that might be comfort is, uh, is that I believe this, is, this will be happening during the midpoint of the tribulation, meaning that at around this time or maybe right before it, there is a mid-tribulation rapture. And we've talked about that. I'm not going to go into the rapture thing again. I did a whole series on it. You can go back into the categories of the rapture and, and go into that. I'm not going to um, give my pros and cons on the different rapture theories. You can research that for yourself. But that's an, that might be the only saving grace, as it were, if you are a believer during this time on earth. All right, so to summarize, what's going on? Well, the an, an angel comes down, he lets he opens a bottomless pit, and these creatures who have been imprisoned, these demonic fallen angels, and quite prop, prop, bleh, quite probably many Nephilim are um, let loose who have been imprisoned since the flood and they take their revenge on man by tormenting man for the same amount of time that the flood was on the earth killing the Nephilim. So the fallen angels who fathered these uh, these Nephilim get revenge for the death of their, of their children and the Nephilim who were killed get revenge for, you know, for, for being taken out, out by God in, fa in favor of man. And this goes to show, to prove that Satan has no control over over uh, demons. And it also shows that Satan has no control over life. And it takes down that stronghold because men will try to die and won't be able to for whatever reason. And again, if you have any ideas, let me know. All right. So that was trumpet number five. Trumpet number six is upcoming which is also extremely demonic, even though people will try. There, there's some interesting explanations of what people think this is. People think that the sixth trumpet is an army from China. Yeah, I know. Sounds crazy. And it is. And I'll tell you about it in the next episode. But when that next seal, excuse me, when that next trumpet is blown, there will be a new demonic army. And unlike the army of locusts from the fifth trumpet, these folks will be able, folks, I say that loosely, these entities will be able to kill men. And they're going to kill a lot of them. So we'll talk about them next time. All right, uh, let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. Uh, please feel free to subscribe to faithbyreason.net. Um, I'd love for you to do that. Just go to the website, faithbyreason.net, and put your email in the right navigation area so you will get these episodes when they become available. You can also subscribe on YouTube. 
by just clicking the subscribe button and clicking the notification bell and the sharing button and every button you can push to you know, get this message out there. I appreciate it. Give me your comments. I'd love to hear them. If you're as weirded out by this as I am, <laughs> then I, I want to hear about it. Let me know. And I will talk to you again in the next episode when we look at uh, the sixth trumpet and the army from the great river Euphrates. 